Evening, y'all. Please take a seat on the couch. And good evening. It's Monday, May 8th, 2017. I'm Vinny Marini, and I welcome you to take a seat on the couch. The Blues Foundation, the organization that exists for one purpose, to keep the blues alive and thriving. Founded in 1980, the Blues Foundation's stated goal is to preserve blues history, which they do through their many programs. Programs like the Blues Music Awards. Held each year, they are universally recognized as the highest accolade afforded musicians and songwriters in blues music. Generation Blues, giving scholarships to young musicians to attend accredited music camps to become more proficient with their instruments. The Heart Fund which supports musicians and their families in financial need due to a broad range of health concerns. The fund provides for acute, chronic, and preventative medical and dental care, as well as funeral expenses. The International Blues Challenge, bringing the best blues musicians the world has to offer together in Memphis each year for a challenge and to network. And of course, the Blues Hall of Fame, located at the Blues Foundation home at 421 South Main Street in Memphis. The Blues Hall of Fame honors those who have performed, recorded, or documented blues. If you're not a member of the Blues Foundation, please go to blues.org and sign up today. Your $25 donation allows you to vote for the Blues Music Awards, gives you free admission into the Blues Hall of Fame, and helps the Blues Foundation to continue to keep the blues alive and thriving. Smokin' and Dew is celebrating its 10th anniversary, and they're doing it in style. Taking place on June 2nd and 3rd in Owatonna, Minnesota, it's all about the Kansas City Barbecue Society competition. But of course, there's music too. Brother, Son, and Sister Moon kick it off in Park Square Friday, and there's free music in the park all day Saturday. In the beer garden on Friday and Saturday, you can enjoy the Sean Murphy Band, Jeremiah Johnson, the Norman Jackson Band, Southern Avenue, Closing the fest this year, Mississippi Bigfoot. Remember, there are events for the entire family. The bike cruise is back. The antique tractor and semi-truck show. The smoking and steel 5K run walk. The kids barbecue. And the classic car show. And it all ends on Sunday, June 4th with the pancake breakfast. Smoking and steel, Owatonna, Minnesota. Barbecue, music, family fun. What more can you ask for? Complete information and ticket sales can be found at smokininsteel.com. That's S-M-O-K-I-N-I-N-S-T-E-E-L-E.com. Smoking in Steel, Owatonna, Minnesota, June 2nd and 3rd. Now, Hurricane Ruth uh, crashed onto the blue scene with her 2012 release, Feels Like a Hurricane. She's not taken her foot off the throttle since. In 2014, she brought us Born on the River. 2015, she put out the EP Winds of Change, and now out and ready for you to purchase, Ready for the Grave, the newest testimony to the power of the hurricane. The album contains 12 songs, all crafted to feature Ruth's powerhouse vocal stylings, and it was recorded in Nashville with an all-star lineup of musicians backing her. Ruth is definitely ready to rock it to a new level. Check it all out at HurricaneRuth.com where you can order her music, all of the past albums, plus the newest, the, uh, Ready for the Grave. That's HurricaneRuth.com. And find out why Willie Dixon told Ruth, 
You're the only hurricane I can appreciate. Before I do anything else, I have to wish my mom, Joan Marini, uh, a beautiful, wonderful 84th birthday. Uh, love you, Mom, and uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Uh, your, her birthday always falls on the week of Mother's Day, so I decided since this is the first day of Mother's Day week, I would do a special Women in Blue show. Uh, and before we get to that, I just want to make mention of uh, Couch Kid Michael Packer's uh, passing. Uh, Michael uh, joined me four times on Music on the Couch, and uh, though Michael could be contentious, uh, he had love in his heart, love for peace in the world, and love for the blues, and uh, he will be sorely missed in his uh, the third part of uh, uh, his trilogy, I'm a Blues Man. Uh, it's going to be released real soon, and I can't wait for that. Uh, if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about Michael, he joined me in September of 2013. So go over to musiconthecouch.com and uh, click on the Chris Lyon Lounge. And just it's all in alphabetical order. Just go to the P's and look for Michael Packer. Go to the one closest to the top of the page. That's the first interview. And click on it, and you can listen. Tonight, three new couch kids and one returning with new music. Definitely a full show. And, you know, when it's women in blues, you know, I just, I just, I get all mushy and I, I just love these women and I love the music. We're going to start with my first guest, Bonetta Davis. And this is the title track from her album, Honest Woman.
Honest Woman, title track from uh, the album by my first guest, Thornetta Davis. Good evening, Thornetta, and thank you so much for taking time out this evening. Hi, Benny. How are you? I'm doing just great. Uh, You were born and raised in the Detroit area, correct? All my life, east side of Detroit, y'all. Real life. Talk about the music that was played in your home, you know, when you were so young that you couldn't reach the knobs. What were mom and dad playing when you were a baby, a kid, a young kid? Well, I remember a lot of Motown and soul music and and R&B stuff and some jazz. You know, uh, my dad was a big Nina Simone and, and, uh, oh, God, I can't remember her name right now, but Nancy Wilson. He loved Nina Simone and Nancy Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, now, we just you, always had music playing on the record player. Absolutely. Did you uh, play any instruments as a, as a young girl or ever? No, I've never played any instruments. Other than your voice, <laughs> I should say, other than your voice, did you ever play? Under any the, other than my voice, I sang a lot all <laughs> over the house. I sang all the yeah. time. So you were singing a lot. Did you, I mean, did it start like so many in church? Is that where the singing started for you, or was it just no. the house? Just around the house, I was because we had music going all the time. You know, even even if I would sing the TV commercials, I just loved to sing. So we sit in front of the record player. It was a record player back then, sure. and I would just listen to different records. And and if anybody who we hear on the record player comes on TV, everybody would run toward the television, especially when it's black artists on TV. At that time, sure. you see a lot of black people on TV. So I just always wanted to emulate what I saw on television. Was there a lot of uh, hairbrush in front of the mirror singing going on? In the house, a lot of singing <laughs> yeah. going on? Uh, well, hair, yes, for hair, me, yeah. Holding, hair, holding the hairbrush, you know, and standing in front of the mirror, you know, the hairbrush being oh, yeah. the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I was I was Michael Jackson with the Jackson 5. Uh, <laughs> I was Diana Ross with the Supremes. I was always yeah. the lead singer. Of course. Why would you? Of course, absolutely. Um, and I guess... <laughs> I guess you entered a talent contest when you were 15. Uh, talk yeah. about w- what made you do that and, uh, and, and what it felt like to win. Well, you know, I, I was always shy on top of that, wanting to sing. I was real shy. And coming up in elementary school, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have the nerve to tell my music teacher that I wanted to be a lead singer, so... I was just always in the back of the scene. But when I got in high school, you didn't have to audition. And so I sat in the class and I sang, and my music teacher would go around the classroom and wonder whose voice was that. And he walked up to me one day and said, you, I want to see you after class. And so then um, he put me in the special class, which I always wanted to be in, but you had to audition to be in that. And so I never would audition for it. And so when he picked me to be in that class, the piano player who played for that class one day told me about a talent show. And he goes, you're going to be in that talent show this this evening. And he knew one of my favorite tunes at that time. I was singing a lot of Phyllis Hyman and Angela Bowfield. I was really into those jazzy female singers. He knew one of the songs. And and that evening I was in a talent show. My mom didn't even know. But I got my first bite of wanting to be a lead singer on 
stage by myself that day. It felt good, huh? It felt so good, you know. Um, And then that summer, I ended up uh, auditioning for a talent show. My sister, who worked with a summer program, she came to they already have a band, and all you got to do is give me your songs. I remember she came running in telling me, we're giving a talent show, and you need to be in it. And, and I was like, wow, really? You know, so I went in and auditioned, and um, next thing you know, I'm in the talent show, and, and the, the the person that was putting on the talent show for the teenagers was also doing a production and wanted me to sing the, in the production right before the talent show. Okay. So, uh, oh, I just had a ball that summer. Yeah, I can imagine. Too. I can imagine. <clears throat> and you, you kept working at your craft, and uh, yeah. you, you got into the business uh, through a number uh, with a number of bands, uh, yeah. and and backing up a number of bands, including Big Chief. Talk yeah. about uh, the opportunity to get out on the road and tour the world with him. Well, Big, Big Chief was a, a rock group from Detroit, actually. And, um, oh, 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 okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I got... They, okay. they, were, they were signed to a label called Sub Pop. And uh, okay. I had been with the Chiller yep. Brothers for a number of years. And, and next thing you know, here's this label out of Seattle, who also had Soundgarden and Nirvana, mm-hmm. liked my voice on their records. And they said, well, we want you to do an album, and we want you to work with the Big Chief guys. So there I took my bluesy thing with the... Prior to that, the Chiller Brothers was a blues band. That was my first right. actual working gig. Okay. And I've been with them for 10 years. Um, and so here the big, the big Chief and Sub Pop want me to work with them. And I thought I'd been with these guys for 10 years, and I tried to even get the label to sign me with them. And they said, no, we just want you. And mm-hmm. I said, well, mm-hmm. I can't turn this opportunity down. So that's when I recorded Sunday morning music, and that was my first right. opportunity of writing songs. Also, that's why ah, I became okay. a songwriter. Yeah, and, and that... one of my songs on the Sopranos. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. What were you learning during that time? I mean, were you, were you paying attention to the business <clears throat> end of, of it all so that you could uh, continue on on your own at some point in time? Um, no, it, it, it all happened because at the time with the Chisel Brothers. I was just a singer. I just show up and sing. And, okay. And I, although I enjoyed it, I made a living doing what I love to do, singing. And when I got with the Big Chief guys, that's when I really I did the same thing. I said, well, I'm just going to show up and sing, you know. And it was after that when I realized, okay, you got to take care of your own business. Now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and I started, uh, I actually took, a, actually took a, a day job at a restaurant because I, I was too afraid to, get out there and, and book myself on gigs, didn't know how to do it. And so I decided to talk to one of my girlfriends who did, and she said, here's a contract. Put your face on it. There <laughs> you so, go. Uh, my first, one of my first gigs when I got asked to perform was at a festival in, in Detroit, surrounding areas. And I, uh, he asked me to do a gig. And I said, okay, well, I charged them a certain price because I didn't know even know how much to charge them. I was just going by what I had been getting paid. And he goes, no, Tanetta, we can do better than that. And he tripled what I asked for. Wow. So he was being yeah. honest with you. That's good. He was being honest yeah. with me. Yeah. And from that point on, I said, okay, my motto is ask for what you want. All they can say is yes. 
Mm-hmm. And I started yep. booking bands and calling the clubs. And then they, people started calling me when they found out that I was back in town doing my thing. So, And since then, it's been like 20 years gone by, and yeah. here I am today. Yeah, the, yeah. You, you know, you released the EP in 95 and the first album in 96, mm-hmm. 98. You released Dust Tougher. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. been, as you just said, some time before the before this new one. Uh, and let's right. listen to another song from Honest Woman. Tell us about I Gotta Sang the Blues. Uh, this one features Kim Wilson on harp. Oh, yeah, I Gotta Sang the Blues. When I wrote that song, I, people always ask me why I sing the blues. Coming from Detroit, singing R&B all my life, and then how did I get into the blues scene? I think the blues chose me. When God chose mm-hmm. me to sing the blues. Um, when I wanted, when I met Kim Wilson a couple of years ago at a gig in Detroit, well, for him, we got to talking, and, and, and he said, well, let's exchange numbers. I didn't know that I was going to call him and ask him to be a part of my CD five years later. And I, I would have been watching his gig, and I found out he was in the Detroit area, like an hour away. So I called him and asked him would he play on the record. And he didn't call me till the night of the session, which was like a week later, and asked mm-hmm. me, now, what do you want me to do? <laughs> so I said, I had already booked the session just in case. And uh, he said, I said, I'll come pick you up. I said, I'll come pick you up. I'll pay you. I just want you to play on the record. He said, okay, fine. You know, so that morning I'm getting ready for my session. I'm singing the song. And I just hear him singing the second verse because it, it, it talks about singing the blues for a living. you got to do this. And he had been doing it for years, too. So sure. I color-coded the lyrics, printed them up, and when we went to pick him up, it took an hour to get to Detroit. So I said, will you sing this with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we played the song, and he goes, okay, I'll give it a try. Two yeah. takes. And, and it turned it. into this. From Honest yeah. Woman, Farnetta Davis, Kim Wilson, I Gotta Sang the Blues.
This is New York boss guitar man Dave Fields. There's some musicians you should know. Just ask my pal Vinny Marini. You're listening to Music on the Couch. All right, now, let's unleash some blues. Farnetta Davis, the album is Honest Woman. Uh, Thornetta is on vocals, as is Kim Wilson on guitar. We have Brian Roscoe-White, Brent Lucas, Larry McRae, and Paul Carey on drums. Todd Glass, Dave Marisip, Stephen McRae, Jeff Kennedy, Skeeto Valdez. On bass guitar, James Simonson, Chuck Bartles, Kenny Clark, and Paul Randolph. On keys, Philip J. Hale, Luis Resto, and Chris Kaddish. On percussion, James Jamalot Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. On harp, obviously, Kim Wilson. On trumpet, James O'Donnell, Marcus Belgrave, Ray's Biggs, and John Douglas. On, D- John Douglas. On trombone, Edward Gooch. On sax, Dave McMurray. And I'm going to take a big, deep breath, and I'm going to give you all the background <laughs> vocals right now. Rose, Roseanne Mar- Matthews, Rosemere Matthews, Thornetta, Kenny Bynum, Alan Waddles, Kiara Thomas, Kevin Stewart, Chandra Lewis, Amani Henry, Dana L. Davis, Special Anointing, who are Kenny Bynum, Carl Porter, and Roger Sims. Also, uh, on background vocals, Diana Mathis, Ping Spell, Twyla Birdson, uh, Paul Randolph, Andre Delano, Crystal Matthews, Ann Willem, Lynette Smith, Juliet Hamilton, and... Uh, my sister's friends, which is a whole lot of folks, and that could yeah, take up the rest of the interview. So we'll just we'll just we'll just send some love to my sister's friends. The album was produced by Thornetta, recorded and mixed by Brian Roscoe White, mastered by Jim Kissling, and the artwork mm-hmm. on the album is by Betty Chappelle, and it is on Sweet Mama Music. Whew. That's right. Okay. That's right. It's album good. love. That's what, call, that's what we call that. We call that album love. Um, so from so so now you've been doing all this other stuff, and then you decide you're going to join a guy from Detroit, who most people know. From '97 to 2003, you worked uh, for Kid Rock, and you appeared on two albums, yeah. and you performed at MSG with him, um, uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. For those who right. think it's I'm talking about some food substitute, uh, talk about the lessons you were learning during that time, since you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you had started to think about, Hey, I've got to think about me. What kind of things were you learning during that period of time? Well, actually when Kid Rock, I never went on tour with him. Uh, he, we knew each other from when I did sub pop, we produced a couple of tracks on the, uh, just tougher and Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Music. So that's when I met him. Um, but after that, when he started blowing up real big and, he would call me to sing um, backgrounds on some of the songs, you know. Right. And at the time that he was out there doing his thing, I was doing my thing, it being a uh, band leader. Right. And, and just staying relevant in, in the city of Detroit and trying to get my thing out even further as, as a solo blues artist. And so I started doing the show at the music menu downtown, and I was there for a good, I don't know, four years. Um and decided to record one of the nights, just one of the nights, and and uh, it sounded so good. My girlfriend actually said, oh, "We need to do this. We need to record this right now." Because I I've never been a fan of jumping into the studio and just starting up a new record just because it's, it's the right time and you're hot right now. Let's get. I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. My songs come to me, and 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 uh, I, I perform them, and and as they develop into this this thing that they've developed into, that's when I feel comfortable about recording. And that's why it took me so long to record the CD. Uh, one thought that a record label would come and, and take care of all of that, record me, 
producer was going to be somebody to tell me what to do. And that I have been thinking so old school about the whole process of recording an album that I didn't realize that I could do this myself mm-hmm. a long time ago, you know. But yeah. in the meantime, I'm still writing. I'm still performing the songs, and I still got people going, when are you going to put that on a disc mm. so we can have it, you know? And I, said, I want to take come, you home. I always go, yeah. soon come. <laughs> yes. I want to take uh, you home. I, yeah, that's, a, that's right? the thing. And so the urgency came, you know, I, I turned 50. And then I was like, oh, I had all these things that I was going to do by 50. I said, okay, they're not done. Okay. And my face carried me this whole time. I have not had a problem paying my bills, just being a singer. I've traveled all over the world, didn't have a record out with it. Uh, I released a live CD. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been all over the world promoting and selling those. And, but this original album that everybody says you need in order to maintain a career, I hadn't done it. And so 50 was the number for me. And so I went to the studio, and I just started calling everybody that I always thought I wanted to work with, Kim Wilson, Marcus Belgrave, I rest his soul, he's one of the premier players with Ray Charles, and he mm-hmm. lives right here in the city of Detroit, so I got him on the record, Dave McMurray, who also played with everybody from Kid Rock to just all the was not was, you know, people who I played with, Louis Resto, who produced the, the music on 8 Mile, these are all friends of mine. And right, I said, right. I would love for you guys to pee on my record. And they all said, yes. You know, and then the, all these wonderful singers who I've sung with, the choirs. I've worked with most of the people in Sister Friends, and, you know, and then the choirs are on, on Feels Like Religion. I was in the choir with them for four or five years at Renaissance Unity. And all these people who helped me with this journey of growing and learning myself and, and knowing that I can do all things, you know, and, and you were able to, and you were able to share it with them. Uh, yeah, and they saw me go cool. through this, and they said, "Thorny, we know you can do it. We believe in you." Had my back, and, and and through the transition of all these things, I ended up being uh, Detroit Queen of the Blues. I would have never yeah. thought that was going to happen. Yeah, you know, that was my uh, mentor. Yep. You know, with uh, Alberta Adams, mm-hmm. and she passed the, the microphone to me. You know, and I'm honoring that with her. The Detroit Blues Society um, uh, name bestowed the title Queen of Detroit Blues on you in uh, August of 2015, and it came with. It came with proclamations from the city of Detroit, from Wayne County, (laughs) and from the state of Michigan. Um, Yeah, did you read that somewhere? I do my they homework. Me away. You should do, I you do my do homework. homework, brother. I try to do my homework. If you're going to spend time with me, i got to honor you by doing my homework. So, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I did read somewhere where it talked about um, uh, Honest Woman, the, the title song, mm-hmm. uh, went through a couple yes. of different title changes, and you've actually been yeah. writing that song for about the 17 years it took <clears> you to put this album out. Not that particular song, the album, oh. actually. Oh, the album. But okay, the, the whole album. album. Cause, yeah, because I thought the album was going to be like, you know, by me having all of these different types of blues in it, I was going to call it a deeper shade of blues or something like that. And and I thought once I wrote Honest Woman and started singing it, I thought this is this is the album because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being honest with 
myself about why I didn't, why it took me so long and being honest with my songs and telling my business. And I'm honestly putting this record out, you know, and that's what, here it is. And then the, the, the double meaning is my husband made an honest woman of me, you know, by marrying me, coming to my life. Inspiring me to do this thing. That's wonderful. It's so wonderful to hear that you know the the, the joy in your voice. Um, could you imagine? Put yourself back in the in the mind of that fifteen year old girl who just won that talent mm-hmm. contest. That today you'd be sitting here with a, a list of honors that's two pages long, um, and you know three albums to your name and touring the world. Not. Not one minute. And when I was 15 years old, I actually used to say singing was a hobby because I loved it so much. How can you make a living doing something you love? We weren't taught that. We thought that that was something that you just do. You must go to work. You must toil in trouble to make a living, scrape by a living. And so when when I was a child, you know, all we had to look forward to was possibly getting a job at the factory. Mm-hmm. And nobody said, learn this music and you can make a living at it. You know, I never met anybody that made a living thing. And so when I was 15, that wasn't what I wanted. Right. I didn't have it on my mind. I wanted to do it, but I didn't think I could make a living. Right. And so Just I that. know that God has been with me. My 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 faith, God has been with me, taken care of me, and led me to this day. 35 years later, she has received over 30 Detroit Music Awards. Um, And this past weekend, ladies and gentlemen, the word dominated gets used really often and maybe overused. But this young woman dominated the Detroit Music Awards, winning eight awards in total. And listen to it, folks. Outstanding blues artist. Outstanding Blues Recording for Honest Woman, Outstanding Blues Songwriter, Outstanding Blues Vocalist, Outstanding Live Performance, Outstanding Record Producer, remember she produced this album, Outstanding Video on a Limited Budget for Sister Friend Indeed, and Outstanding Urban Vocalist, and then Cherry on top of the cake, and the the cake is really high with all of those awards, but Cherry, way on top of the, the Cherry is this weekend, This week, on Thursday night, she's up for a Blues Music Award for Best Emerging Artist Album. Yeah, and... and, uh, Incredible. When you... you, um, It's overwhelming to hear all of that, all that at the same time. It it is very overwhelming right now. And um, the place I am at is so blessed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. and I have to share I have to share the thing you told me off the air, folks. She brought all eight awards with her to Memphis. Yeah, She's in Memphis already. She brought them with her just to have them as her like her her, her buddies, her good luck mojos. So she's got them all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um I'm sitting here staring at them. I think I've taken the picture and posted it on Facebook and all of that. I'll have you to know, go look. It, I'll have to go look. Um <laughs> So what's the next thing but, for you? Yeah. What's the next step for what's the next step for you? What what's next on you your know, bucket list? I want to sh- share my music with the world. I want to get some more gigs. I'm, I'm I've gotten some some festivals calling me now, and I'm hoping that with 
with the success of the CD, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, it'll be more successful and that people will start calling me up. I'm booking my gigs. If I don't have a booking agent, then call me straight up. You, my number is there. I'm running my stuff right now. And me and my guys are ready to go. We're doing what we do locally, of course. I'm going to mm-hmm. be at Briggs Farm uh, coming up right. soon. I'm doing the Ottawa Blues mm-hmm. Festival. I got some stuff coming up in Illinois. I, I'm ready. And and if you want me on your stage, come on. Here I am. I'll put it out there like that. And I thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say these things. No, my really my my pleasure. My pleasure. Um you can go over to thornettadavis.com and all the contact information is there. T H O R N E T T A Davis D A V I S dot com. So go over there and check all of that out. This is a she, she is a a, a women, woman in blues and she is a musician you should know, Thornetta Davis. Uh, we have time for one last song from the album, Honest Woman, which, by the way, is number 21 this week on the Roots Music Report uh, blues, blues album chart. Um, so uh, it's, uh, it's sitting right up there in the top 21. Um, tell us about your song, I'd Rather Be Alone. Thornetta? Yes, Vinny, thank you so much. Tell us about I'd Rather Be Alone. I'd Rather Be Alone. Hmm. I was in a really bad relationship for about five years, and that's I, I take responsibility for, for staying so long in that, but I was trying to be Captain Save-A-Fool. And uh, I realized I can't save that person. I need to save myself. That person might be that way the rest of their life. And when I finally got got up out of that bad situation, they would always call my phone and mess with me. And I hung up the phone going, dang, I'd rather be alone than be lonely with you. Oh, a song. song. (laughs) (laughs) That song was written in 15 minutes. (laughs) Some of the great ones are. Oh, man, it was just water flowing after I got done with that sucker. I just, and I immediately took it to the guys. I said, look, don't, 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 bam, that's how I want y'all to play. <laughs> you know, and, and we, it it's, it's gone. And we've been singing it ever since. Brett uh, Lucas tears I, it up. Yep, I appreciate you so Ooh. much, Sonetta. I look forward to meeting you on Thursday. Um, enjoy enjoy your week in Memphis uh, Ladies and All gentlemen right. Thornetta Davis A woman in blues and a musician you should know From Honest Woman This is I'd Rather Be Alone you was dead. And just when my heart healed from losing you, well, here you come knocking at my door, giving me your excuse. Well, it's too late, baby. I don't need you no more. And as you can see, that key in your hand don't unlock my door. 
So before you come in here telling me what you're going through, I think I got some news for you. I'd rather be alone than be lonely with you. Said I'd rather be all by myself than take the hurt you put me through. You know it just ain't no use Cause when I give you all my love, boy uh-huh. All you can give me is the blue
Now don't get that twisted. That don't mean I'm by myself. Matter of fact, I got company right now. And I don't think he'd like you coming in here looking all good. And, mm. But I'm so glad to see you doing so well, my brother. God bless you. Donetta Davis from Honest Woman, and I'd rather be alone. Taz Crew has followed up his critically acclaimed and chopped critically acclaimed and chart topping blues album for all of 2015, You Keep the Money, with Simmered and Stewed, a collection of eleven reworked crew classics. The album is on the Vistone family label. It stayed on B.B. King's Bluesville Rack of Blues for over two months. It's been on the Roots Music Report Top 25 on the Blues Album chart for over 27 weeks. Steve Jones wrote in Blues Blast magazine, Blues fans in general will like the well-produced and integrated cuts with lots of keys and guitar and harp blended with vocals to make some fresh and interesting music. Well done. 2014 KBA recipient Taz Crew. Check out his tour schedule, buy his music, get info on how you can bring Taz to your club or festival, and more at tazcrew.com. T A S C R U.com. Simmered and Stewed. New music. Get it now. Why would you come to West Texas in July? For one of the best blues festivals, not only in Texas, but anywhere. That's why. July 14th and 15th are the dates for the 7th Annual Tall City Blues Fest in downtown Midland, Texas. Tall City Blues Fest is a bonafide music festival, complete with an entire weekend of indoor and outdoor performances, interactive workshops, vendors, and more. Past performers and headliners have included Roomful of Blues, Zach Harmon, Anna Popovich, Tab Benoit, and the lineup for this year will be just as stellar. Featured throughout the weekend will be an annual art auction, rare memorabilia raffle, and of course, the world-class workshops conducted by the performers themselves. As always, the official hotel is only steps away from the stages. The final lineup will be announced in March. Go to TallCityBluesFest.com for more information and to get your tickets to the 7th Annual Tall City Blues Fest, July 14th and 15th, 2017. Tall City Blues Fest, where the magic happens. Hey everybody, this is Sean Chambers. You're tuned in to Music on the Couch with my friend Vinny Marini. This is a program yeah, full of musicians you should know. Keep on keeping the blues alive. Sorry, Sean, and uh, I apologize, Tall City. The lineup is out. It's a sensational lineup. Headliner is Victor Wainwright. Um, uh, Brandon Santini, Jeff Jensen Band is going to be there. Noel Witherspoon, uh, 805 Jive. There's 24 acts over two days. It's going to be sensational. I've got to grab the correct ad that I recorded for them. Uh, my next guest has grabbed the attention of the blues world by the throat, and she is taking no prisoners. Her name is Vanessa Collier, and I welcome her onto the couch. Good evening, Vanessa. Thanks for taking time this, to sit with us. Of course. Thank you for having me, Vinny. Cool. You were born and raised in, is it Clarksville, Maryland? I was raised there. I was actually born uh, in a little town outside of Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, oh, okay. Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I spent, I basically grew up in Maryland, Clarksville, Maryland. You got it. So uh, as a small lass crawling around on the floor of, your, of the house, what kind of music did mom and dad play? <laughs> um, 
You know, I think we had a lot of stuff on. Um, the stuff that I remember uh, we did, we had the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, anything that was kind of top in the, in the charts at the time. So I know mm-hmm. <laughs> we did some like Christina Aguilera and, <laughs> and all of that as well. There you go. A little, little bit of everything. Yeah. A little do, bit of everything, me- exactly. Do you remember the first song, or maybe it was just a band, um, that made you stop and go, whoa? Ooh, yeah. Um, I, I actually think it was when I started playing saxophone. Um, I started listening to Cannonball Adderley, and mm-hmm. uh, something about his sound just totally his like soulful kind of gritty go for it attitude. I just love the way he played. Um, Mm, And that kind of spurred me on to, to other artists as well. But yeah, it probably would would be him. Now was the sax the first instrument you ever played or was there something earlier on? Um, I played piano before that for about six months. Um, But my mom, had to drag me kicking and screaming, crying pretty well <laughs> every week because <laughs> um, I just didn't didn't really like the teacher. <laughs> so I, I, I quit that, and then it was a couple months, and I saw a saxophone on – somebody was playing it on a TV show that I watched after school, and I just loved the sound of it, just just totally taken by it. And, I, and then I begged her for a couple of months. Um, it's like six or eight months I was asking her to play it and she was kind of like yeah yeah sure sure you dropped the piano you know I'm not really sure and then she finally like we finally went to rent one and I was so excited and um I like I haven't put it down since I've been playing for 17 years so so uh, how old were you how old were you when you picked up the first time uh it was about nine okay so it was you were you were almost the same size as the saxophone at that point (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) So you're nine years old, you start playing, you're listening to, you know, folks like Cannibal Adderley. Who else, you know, where did that bring you into your teen years? What, who are you listening to um, and who, who are influencing you, both as a person and as a musician? Because sometimes those are separate entities. Absolutely. Um, I, I felt very fortunate growing up, you know, in Maryland because I, we had a great music program. So my my first band director, I just remember. I mean, we were listening to classical, jazz, whatever. He was he was putting everything on. Um, and then um, in middle school, we kind of started listening to like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and <laughs> playing some of that, some of Outcast, but like playing it in jazz band. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Brick House, the Commodores, that kind of stuff. Um, just, just kind of opening the door on this whole, whole other horn thing and whole other just world. And, um, sure. so they, they, they all were, you know, that's all the stuff I was listening to. Um, and then, uh, let's see who, the other sort of main influence for me growing up as I started studying with, uh, Chris Vidala, who's the director of jazz studies at university of Maryland. Okay. Um, and he still is, but he played with, uh, Chuck Mangione for 20 years and, you know, Aretha Franklin first call for the NSO, just like a top woodwind call around the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, he really laid a huge impact on me because, he kind of let me find my way and play my music my way, but also showing me, you know, like here's some extra theory stuff. Here's some really cool stuff, you know, like try this, try that. And then 
he introduced me to Cannonball and Bird and Coltrane. I mean, everybody, really. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> yeah, before we go on, let's listen to a, a tune from Meeting My Shadow, uh, your sophomore album. Uh, talk about your song, When It Don't Come Easy, which uh, features good friend Josh Roberts on slide guitar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, this one is probably has become my favorite off the record. Um, and I, I basically, I wrote it because I was going through a tough time. And um, I am a, I really like water. I, I feel very much at peace around water. But um, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I love about it is that it can be raging, but it can also be serene. It can, you know, wind its way around, but it can also be a rapid and, mm-hmm. But no matter what, you know, when, no matter what gets in its way, it just keeps on going. And I thought that was a great metaphor for whatever's coming up in your life. Just just find a way around or through or just continue to work at it and turn everything kind of into sediment, into rubble. And, and yeah, so that was key, when it don't come easy. <laughs> From the album Meeting My Shadow, Vanessa Kalia.
When it don't come easy, Vanessa Collier from Meeting My Shadow. It's a tight, tight song. Um, <laughs> you got to high school and you you're you're you played both sides of the of the school. You must have had a lot of friends because you were co-captain of the basketball team, and then you played <laughs> sax in just about any band or ensemble or whatever that you could as far as the school was concerned. Um, how did you find time to do it all? Um, lack of sleep, I'd probably say. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was a lot, um, but that seems to be kind of what I do. <laughs> I did mm-hmm. that in college as well, but uh, but uh, yeah, I just I loved I loved um, playing basketball. It's sort of what I got into around the same time I played saxophone, and um, just just I don't know something about being in a game and kind of being competitive, and mm-hmm. I loved shooting the ball and whatever. So. Um, I didn't want to put that down um, for all, for a long time, and I played for a long time. Um, oh. And then saxophone, actually, my band director was awesome. He he uh, he would kind of like hold the concert for me. I had a, I had a one night where I had or two nights where I had a a uh, a game and then a concert okay. right after. And uh, oh. so he would wait until I got there, and I'd come on with like full garb, you know, still in my jersey, still in my my oh, braces okay. and all that. <laughs> and I'd go and play the concert that way. Everybody else was dressed in black and white, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but he was super I, understanding and, and allowed me to do both basically. I was, I was going to ask the question. Did you, did you just like sort of slip the dress over, over your uniform? But you, if you look real <laughs> close, the sneakers, you know, the Chuck Taylors were p- poking out of the bottom. <laughs> so you just went, you went full tilt. You went full tilt. That's cool. Um, I did. <laughs> Obviously, the music won out because you ended up in Boston at Berkeley uh, School of Music. Uh, talk about that mm-hmm. time there and what you learned about yourself during that period of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a great uh, four years for me. Um, I basically went my freshman year and, and thought, you know, I just want to be uh, a performance, basically jazz saxophonist. I want to do this. And in the first couple of months, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I was, I just was like, man, there's so many other genres one. And then uh, I also wanted to, wanted to pursue some, some engineering and, and producing and all that kind of stuff. So um, I really got a lot out of that uh, experience. I fit five, you know, a five-year program into four years, always busy. And um, I was also an RA at the time. So I was uh-huh. three of three of those four years. Um, wow. so I gained a lot of, a lot of skills, uh, yeah. <laughs> communicating and, you know, being, being sort of a role model on the floor and just, just, you know, finding a way to build a community sure. and, uh, also coming to terms with, you know, coming, coming, coming around in, I guess, to a little bit more of an extroverted me, um, which I was very, very, very introverted, very quiet. And I've always kind of been that way. <laughs> Um, until now. Yeah. So, no, that really and that, me. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, uh, going back to my college days, RA, okay. So you're a referee, you were a negotiator, you were, uh, you <laughs> know, <laughs> a, ma- a mother, you were a psychologist, yeah. You were, yeah, <laughs> exactly. a policeman, policeman, policewoman. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> and, and during that time is when you met Joe Lewis Walker, correct? Correct. Yeah. How did that all come about? How did that all come about? Yeah. 
Um, so I had a friend who was playing um, drums for him at the time, and uh, it was the summer before my senior year, I believe. And um, I he, basically he told me he was in town, and he was like, "You should bring your horn because you know chances are Joe will let you sit in." And and I was like, "Okay, cool. Well, this this sounds great." So I checked Joe out, and it was the first time I'd heard his music, and I was like, "Oh, I really like this. I really like this stuff," and um, his music. And so I went down and, and kind of like sat through the first set. And then I met Joe on the break and um, he was like, Oh, you want to, you want to come up? You got your horn. So I went up for the first song and then, you know, after I get done playing, he's like, I go to like kind of walk off thinking, you know, that's it. And, right. and he's like, where are you going? Stay up. So I ended up staying up for the whole second set. And wow. then, uh, Afterwards, he was like, "Yeah, you want to you want to play some dates? You want to tour?" And I was like, "Of course, yes." <laughs> so my whole um, my whole last year at Berkeley, I was you know, of course, in addition to balancing everything else, I was on tour with Joe and and playing all around the East Coast, basically, um, and just just kind of got my feet wet and uh, really learned a lot from Joe, a lot about the blues, a lot about the history of it, and and just trying to. You know, seeing an artist at work was was great mm-hmm. for me. It was a great inspiration. Yeah, it was a bit, had to be a little bit different when you got back to school for your senior year. It was like, a, so what did you do during your summer break? Uh, I uh, played with Joe Lewis Walker. For, you know. <laughs> 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 it was pretty cool. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, I got. I, so. Hey, you know, I can imagine it was, and and I'm sure you know. Again, you know, you you. you you're a smart young woman. You paid attention. You, 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 you watched what it was like to be a band leader and, and, and the, the troubles of being a band leader. It's not always a cool thing. Uh, and, Absolutely. And yeah. Finding out, finding out a little bit more about you on that. Um, the album is meeting my shadow. Uh, talk about your song, meet me where I'm at. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> which is obviously, which um, is obviously NOLA. Um, you know, it's yeah. obviously a little bit New Orleans there. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, on my first record, I, I, I wrote a song that was, uh, that's, that's a New Orleans kind of street beat thing. And I just, I love that music. It, it's mm-hmm. something I'm continually finding, um, um, you know, in addition to Dr. John and all that kind of stuff. So naturally I kind of felt on the second one, I wanted something else. And I had this idea of, you know, we all come at it from a different angle. So, um, just, just kind of the underlying notion being, we should all just, just meet me where I'm at. Just come to me, meet where I'm at and I'll come to you. And then we'll meet in the middle. That's, that's sort of the thought process behind this one. And it, it's sort of a fun, silly story. And I just, I really had a lot of fun writing that one. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to listen to Vanessa Collier from meeting my shadow. Meet me where I'm at. He had a top pulled loose. He was shaking his caboose in a suit pants rolled up to his thighs. Well, usually I'm pants on through, but something about him made me want to ask why. And he said, Ain't got a care in the world. 
And that was Meet Me Where I'm At, Vanessa Collier from Meeting My Shadow. Uh, the, uh, let's see, Vanessa's on vocals, background vocals, alto, soprano, and tenor sax, flute, Rhodes, piano, Wurlitzer, uh, clavinet, percussion, organ, and shutar. Uh, 
T.K. Jackson adds drums, percussion, and organ, and some background vocals. Daniel McKee on bass, Laura Chavez on guitar and resonator guitar, uh, Charles Hodges on organ, clavinet, piano, and Wurlitzer. Mark Franklin on trumpet and flugelhorn, Josh Roberts on slide guitar, Brenda Jackson on organ, Kenny Bradford uh, adds bass on a song, and that was recorded by Matt Hayes at Wellspring Sound in Acton, Mass. Nicholas Stevens uh, was on drums on a track, recorded by Brett Gibbons at Bias Studios in Springfield, Virginia. And the whole thing was produced by Vanessa, Kevin uh, Houston, and Thomas Roof, recorded at Music and Arts Studio in Memphis, Tennessee, October 17th to the 22nd in 2016, mixed by Kevin Houston and mastered by Master and Servant in Hamburg, and it is all on Roof Records. Uh, and you recorded the debut album, Heart, Soul, and Saxophone, in 2014 on Roof. Uh, how did you get the attention of Thomas? Uh, well, actually, um, uh, the... I basically just got an email from him after after doing the IBCs um, in okay. 2016. Yeah, um, so I got an email that was basically like, you know, I'm a I'm an independent label and I can get you 60 to 80 dates overseas, and uh, you know, let's have a conversation. Um, so that's, that's basically how it started. Was was that, um, and I. I, I was looking to sort of expand my career and, and the thought of 60 to 80 dates overseas was really intriguing. So, <laughs> yeah. so, okay. Maybe I, did you release heart, soul and saxophone earlier and then roof re-released it? Cause no, I, had, so, um, I saw it come out in 2014. I, maybe that's, maybe I grabbed did. the wrong date. Okay. It did. That's not a, yeah, that's not a rough release. That's actually uh, my, okay. my self-release. Yep. Okay. 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 Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I, I, I got a couple of songs from that. Um, from when yeah. you earned your way to Memphis, though, we never got yeah. the chance to, uh, our pad, you never got up to see me, but, uh, you had sent me a couple of, uh, uh, songs, um, in case, in case you were able to, but you, you were a busy young lady that week. Uh, talk about that week <laughs> and, and, a lot, and, and, and the things that you found out about, you know, the blues and the music industry and yourself during that, during that week, because it is a truly a learning experience. Absolutely. Uh, um, that's a great, great way, great way to talk about it. Um, I mean, I, I, I loved that time down there. Um, you know, I hadn't been to Memphis before. Um, and competing on Beale was, was fabulous. You know, um, we ended up finishing in the semifinals, but you know, mm-hmm. for three shows, we, we kind of increasingly got a bigger audience and, and more buzz around the city. And um, I met some great, great folks, Ken Johnson and um, being one of them um, and uh, Gil Anthony, um, mm-hmm. a, a, just a bunch of people. I, I had yep. known Charlie Boyer, but I met him um, kind of in person there. And um, yeah, I, I, just a fantastic place to, to network and, and to, you know, help your career kind of forward and, um, just see what else, what other shows are out there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There's so many people that come and descend on Beale Street for that one week. Yeah. Um, and it's just a fabulous, met a lot of people from other countries and just so, so welcoming. Everybody, you know, it, it's a true representation of what the blues community is and what, what it's about, which is kind of togetherness and how can we bring this music forward and 
you know, everyone's got their own twist on their own thing. And, and I, I loved that. So, um, it's, yeah, uh, it was, it's, it was great. It's, you know, for it's that week and this week are the two best weeks to be on Beale street in Memphis. Um, <laughs> that's what yeah. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's just unfortunate yeah. that that's, but that's the truth. Um, you know, you would wish that, you know, people say, Oh my God, you must get this all year round. And you kind of just, kind of just give a sad face and say, no, not really. But, uh, you know, I mean, I look at the, I look at the the IBC and I've said this uh, for a couple of years now and they call it a challenge for a reason. It is not a competition. Mm -hmm. It is a challenge, but it's a personal challenge. It's a personal challenge for each act to be the best that that they can be. You can't control the three judges that are sitting in front of you. The blues foundation does one hell of a job getting, qualified people to judge the challenge you know and and that's you're talking yeah. about 70 to 80 judges that's a lot of people yeah. <laughs> um yeah you absolutely. know so so you know i mean but it, to me it's not you're not you're not playing against this other band it's a challenge for you can you get there on time can absolutely. you set up can you can you hit that mark and can you bring yep. your best and that's what it's about absolutely. so you know, yeah, you know absolutely. I, I tell bands that I tell that bands that all the time. I say, you know, if you're coming here saying to yourselves, we're winning this thing, might as well save your money. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's true. Cause I, I, you know, I was listening to your show at leading up to it and, and that oh, okay. was sort of the biggest thing that all your guests were saying, so like, yeah. you know, yeah. don't expect to come in and win it. It's, it's a surprise yeah. every time, you know, but yeah. the, the thing that you can expect is that you come out with great networking and great people mm-hmm. and, and having this great experience. So yeah, I, I, I can say that I agree now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, you have been, you know, just on the road. Of, gosh, so much between the caravan uh, in Europe with roof and shows here in the U U S I mean, does it get to a point even, you know, for you that you just say, I just need a couple of weeks off or is it just so, is this still so cool? And so you just need to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely still very very cool for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I love being on stage mostly because I just love to connect with the audience. Um and the different people that come up to me afterwards and and tell me their personal stories or their connection to my songs or just, you know, it, this is what I needed in my life right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that that yeah. kind of stuff. Those are sort of the moments that I that I love and then getting to play with a great, you know, with whoever I, I I've um, I've gotten my band is, is you know it, it's just a blessing to to share and create music every night and um, you know that's no exception with the Blues Caravan I've gotten to see some amazing mm-hmm. places that I I hadn't really ever been to Europe before so <laughs> getting all you know just this in the last like three four months I've been to six different countries so it's like yeah. okay cool this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I like passports looking, thing. yeah. Passport, passports looking real cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those stamps, yay! <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, talk about the title of the album, "Meeting My Shadow." Obviously, there's no songs with that title, so talk about the meaning yeah. behind it. Sure. Um, well, I was, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, I was kind of going through and struggling, struggling personally um, with just some people in my life at the time, and. I would happen to be, you know, I, I really want to write this record. And I, and I started writing mainly because I was reading a book called the artist way by Julia Cameron. And it's, 
getting yourself out of a rut. It's, it's writing every day, um, you know, three pages of longhand, taking uh, what's known as an artist date. Anyway, all these mm-hmm. things um, to just kind of kickstart your, your writing. And um, in, in the next book, she talks about this phrase, meeting my shadow, and it just happened to catch me. Um, cause in the way she explains it is that you have to sort of get all the negative feelings out of the way before you can experience more joy. Um, you know, and, and that's sort of what this record is cool. for me. It's a, it's an expression of a lot of difficulty and, and just the good and the bad that can come out of that. So there's mm-hmm. some lighthearted stuff. There's some more serious personal things, um, you know, poison the well and when it don't come easy are both like, you just got to keep going, you know, yeah. uh, dig a little deeper. All those, uh, all those songs, um, come from that, that kind of sure. place. Um, so it felt very fitting to me that as I was searching for a title for the record, <laughs> I read that phrase and I was like, that's it. That's totally it. And, you know, the album cover sure illustrates, you know, you with this huge smile and this dark cloud behind you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Behind yeah. you, <laughs> behind you. It's not in front of yeah. you. It's behind you, that dark crowd. So. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And you made the decision to come to Memphis. Talk about uh, that decision to record. Yeah. Um, well, I think when I went to Memphis for the IBCs, one of the things that struck me about the city is that how far it's come. Um, you know, I went to the, to the Civil Rights Museum and mm-hmm. – um, I was just like, I needed, I needed some rest after seeing that. Cause it, it, yeah. it doesn't, it just grabs you in a way that I, I can't explain. It's just like, it takes, so your, breath emotional. It takes your breath away. It does. takes your breath away. Yeah. 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 It does. Um, and, and that really laid, laid a lot on me um, as well as just seeing, you know, a monument to the trail of tears and just kind of finding out more about the history of the city. Um, and sort of the struggle of it and then learning about stacks and sun records and just the vibrancy that came out of all of that. And again, you know, if you're talking about uh, when I was thinking about this record and meeting my shadow, you know, it's like, it's all this joy, all these things that can come out of hard, you know, struggle and difficulty. And it just seemed to really be a great place to record. And the, and the studio was amazing and just, you know, a lot of the musicians there, um, as you said, were were just fantastic and, and mm-hmm. wonderful to work with, and I really enjoyed that. So, um, cool. yeah, just seemed like Memphis was the place. Yeah, well, it sure sounds like it um, from <laughs> listening to the album. Uh, and you used uh, a crowd fu- crowdfunding, um, and you were uh, lucky enough to have some supporters who uh, up front told you they'd match you dollar for dollar. Talk about the experience of the crowdfunding and, and, and how it all went for you. I mean, you did sure. very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I've actually done two now. I did one for my first record and one, okay. one for this, yeah. um, for this tour. And um, it, it seems to go really well. People want to support what you're doing and, and, you know, they get a CD and they get a t-shirt and they get all the things that they'd get at a show, but it's personalized and, and I sign everything or make it out to, to um, whoever they want to make it out to, you know, right. and um, it's just a great way again, you know, to build a community and build a fan base and, and keep people interested in what you're doing. It's, it's kind yeah. of an extension of the newsletter, you know, but mm-hmm. they are part of building with you, which uh, I think yeah. a lot of people want to do. They want to discover somebody and help them along, you know? 
Yeah. Um, and I've been very, very fortunate. So I think that last statement was, was, was as, as true as any other I've heard about crowdfunding. They want to help. Yeah. They want to help, you know, find somebody, you know, discover yep. someone, you know, Absolutely. Uh, You've been nominated for the Blues Music Award for Instrumentalist Horn. Um, yeah. <laughs> incredible honor. Uh, talk, about, talk about what was that first thought that went through your mind when you got the phone call or the email? What was that? <laughs> um, it was actually funny. I hadn't even checked my email yet. I had just woken up and, uh, you know, my mom had told me. <laughs> my mom had just told me. And I was uh-huh. like, what? What? <laughs> well, like, who would have thought, you know? Um, you know, it, it is such an honor and, and the people in the category, you know, Nancy Wright and um, mm-hmm. Sax Gordon and, and uh, all these people. I mean, it's it just, it, it's great to be honored and to be mentioned among them. Um, Cause there are people that now that I've been on the blues cruise and I've kind of gotten to meet a couple of them. It's, it's like, you're, you're, you're doing your thing. And, you know, I, I respect and look up to that. And it's just an honor to be, um, to be mentioned with these people that have been around and, and, you know, know what they're doing. <laughs> and, uh, will yeah, you be performing? It's, it's great. Will I will be, be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Cool. Excellent. Um, Excellent. I'll be part of the, the women's, uh, showcase basically. Okay. Um, okay. Which I heard be, they were doing, I'll be playing. I heard the PK were, yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of great people. So. Yeah, I heard they were putting something together like that, so that's that's cool. Um, yeah. So we'll see you on Thursday, absolutely. Um, yes. This young lady's name is Vanessa Collier. She is a, a woman in blues. She is a BMA nominee, and she is a musician that you should know. Check out the tour schedule, uh, buy her music, and uh, more at VanessaCollier.com, V-A-N-E-S-S-A, C-O-L-L-I-E-R.com. Uh, we've got time for one last song from the album, Meeting My Shadow. Uh, tell us about, oh, which is um, what, number 32 on the Roots Music Report this week. Uh, and uh, tell us about uh, the funky song, Cry Out. Uh-uh, cry Out. <laughs> um, so this one was actually the first first song that I wrote for the record, and I think I wrote it about two years ago, probably. Um, and uh, I wrote it because I believe that no matter how small the injustice is, um, you have to say something. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it just grows and it gets bigger. And um, that's sort of this song. It's it's sort of about uh, all, all all the things happening on, on with our earth right now and just kind of mistreating it as well as just on a personal level, people um, kind of letting the little things slide. And, and I just wanted to call attention to that. And uh, say, cry out, cry out against injustice and and all those things, you know. So that's cry out. Vanessa, we'll see you in a few days. Please travel safe and uh, uh, can't wait. Good luck on Thursday. Thank you, Vinny. I appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you. Absolutely. Vanessa Collier from Meeting My Shadow. This is Cry Out. Crumble in the earth, ripped in the dirt, and I tremble below my feet. 
Kaya from her album Meeting My Shadow. Have you gone over to bluesfestivalguide.com recently? May I suggest you do, and when you do, spend some time and explore the incredible site. You can go inside the festival guide and check out all the blues festivals still to come this year, and you'll even find some in 2018 already listed. You can also find reviews for the latest releases, links for promoters, photographers, and so much more. Blues Festival Guide is more than festivals. It brings you everything you need to know about music. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly e-newsletter while you're there. Bluesfestivalguide.com This is John Gendick wailing for you on the Vinnie Marini Show. Music on the couch. Musicians you should know, including John Gendick. Ha! <laughs> Bridget Kelly Band's out of Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Last year, uh, they released their third album, Out of the Blues, and their brand new album, Bone Rattler, is now ready to be released. It is 33 songs full of blues music. John Mitchell said in Blues Blast magazine of the album, Out of the Blues, plenty of real blues here and some fine playing worth a listen. You need to go over and check out BridgetKellyBand.com for their tour schedule, and you can buy their music, including the brand-new double album from Bridget Kelly and the band Bone Rattler. My next woman in blues released her album Desire back on March 31st. Her name is Lauren Mitchell, 
and I welcome her on to the couch for an official Monday night couch visit. Uh, evening, Lauren, and thanks for taking time. Thanks for having me, Vinny. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you were born and raised in the Columbus, Canton, Ohio area. Uh, talk about what kind of music was played in your home before you had the ability to change the knobs. <laughs> um, well, early on um, when I was growing up, uh, my, I remember my, my mom and my dad having very different musical tastes, but they both loved music. Um, so I was very fortunate that I grew up in a, in a home where there was, there was music on a lot. Um, mom listened to a lot of stuff like, uh, um, I remember like Neil Diamond and like, uh, the Ray Charles singers and, you know, things like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, dad was kind of into more of like the Motown and the 60s soul. Um, actually he wasn't kind of into that stuff. He was really into it. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of Motown in, in my house growing up. And then also my grandparents uh, on my mother's side um, played, uh, they actually met um, when my grandmother auditioned for my grandfather's uh, country and Western bluegrass band. So there was a little bit of that going on too. Oh, there's a lot of, so there's music in the genes. So there there you go. You also uh, began singing in your grandmother's church? I did. I did. Yeah. That was the very first time that I ever sang. And um, I remember, you know, even still to this day, singing in church uh, is, that's a totally different thing than getting on a stage and and doing a show. Um, Singing in church is, is, uh, you know, that's, it can be a little intimidating. It it still is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember being, you know, uh, pretty terrified, but also at the same time, uh, you know, looking out in, in the congregation and realizing that all those people there that, you know, they loved me and they just, they just wanted to hear me, uh, you know, do well. And so, you know, we did it. How old were you? Oh man, I wasn't very old at all. Maybe six or seven years old. I I, I couldn't have been very old at all. Cause I, I, I saw that, um, and just because, you know, yes, that's my my wife's dog, Gracie, in the background. If you can hear her. Oh, that's all right. You'll probably hear my cat here in a little while. Well, she'll come up yeah. and hang out on the desk. So. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, one of my guests wrote me and said, all my friends thought it was my dog barking, but it wasn't mine. Did you have a dog? I was like, yeah, 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 I did. But, um, uh, Obviously, um, you know, mom and dad and, and whatnot thought you had some talent because they started giving you voice lessons at the age of nine. Was this something that you were into also, or uh, was it like, you know, those mandatory guitar lessons some of us had to take that we really hated? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't uh, painful at all. I, uh, I have been told that um, I was, singing and you know making noise and stuff uh as far back as anyone can remember and um so yeah when when the opportunity presented itself you know I remember you know mom saying hey do you want to take some voice lessons sure let's go take some voice lessons you know and by that point I had already even started um I was always entertaining I've always been an entertainer and I had started taking some dance lessons and things like that and had been in a uh, a couple of like musical theater productions, you know, in the chorus as one of the children, you know, that okay. sort of thing. Yeah. And so I, oh yeah, oh yeah, man, that's the, I, I'm, I'm an entertainer from, from way back when. So <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, yeah it, was, it definitely wasn't anything that I that I had to be pushed to do. Okay. Not yeah, at all. Yeah. You were pulling, not pushing. Um, yeah, I was into it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also I also I also saw something where it took, and you just mentioned musical theater, but you were also into opera. Um, at what point was that, that is, in your life? Was that early on or later? Actually, yes, it was pretty early on. When I started uh, those voice lessons at age nine, um, I was very fortunate that uh, my mother sought out, you know, the best of the best um, in Canton, Ohio, where I lived, which was, again, it, it might not sound like a lot, but there, there was, there's some, some, pretty, uh, some pretty hip culture going on in, in the Midwest, in uh, Columbus Canton, and Canton, Cleveland and, yeah. and, and Canton, Ohio as well. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Some and, uh, incredibly great musicians in that, in that little area. Yeah. 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 And so I was very fortunate. My mom found a, a voice teacher. I'll never forget his name, Michael Canestraro. And he looked and sounded like Luciano Pavarotti. And wow. at nine years old, I was instructed to learn the international phonetic alphabet which is also known as IPA, if any, any mm-hmm. trained singers out there will know what I'm talking about. And uh, um, I learned to sing in Italian before I was allowed to sing anything in his studio in English. Wow. Okay. So, so yeah, that was serious. That, that started, that serious. Yeah, that, that started at age nine and continued all the way up uh, for about the next nine years until I was about 18 um, and on into college for a little while as well. And were you also doing stuff in school, singing in the chorus and, and the like? Absolutely. I was in, uh, oh gosh, I was in, again, in, in theater productions, in an acapella choir, in, you know, a jazz group, in a show choir. I, I, I was your, uh, your typical musical overachiever. <laughs> uh, so, but when Lauren went home and she went into her bedroom and she closed the door, and whether she put on headphones or not, and she turned on the music that she wanted to listen to. What were you listening to during those years? Um, when I was in high school, um, honestly, a lot of what I was listening to was, you know, what was what was going on at the time, um, and also the the other stuff that I remember. I remember listening. Uh, man, I got really heavy into the Black Crows for a while. Um, so there's some of that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that soul influence um, and some things like that. And uh, um, I also listen to a lot of classical music, a lot of uh, classical instrumental music, uh, uh, Beethoven, Schubert. I love a string quartet. Um, so I listened to a lot of that while I was growing up. But cool. it was it was while I was when I was in when I was in college, around about I don't know twenty, about the age of twenty, where I kind of um, I kind of got. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I should tell this, but everybody probably knows anyway. No, 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 no. Hold, hold this, hold the thought for a second because we're going to play a song from Desire, and then we'll move into college years. Um, All right, that sounds good. Okay, uh, talk about the uh, talk about the uh, title track, um, which you wrote with Sherry Nadelman. Yes, I wrote well Sherry Nadelman and uh, Jeff Nadelman. Harris as well. Okay. Um, yeah, and Jeff Paris, uh, Tony Bronigle's friend out in uh, Los Angeles. But that track, I'm really glad that you chose to, to play that track because that's a very, very, very special song for me. Um, kind of encompasses uh, everything that this album is for me. Um, 
I've been working on this record for somewhere about two and a half, maybe almost three years. Um, mm-hmm. I had talked to several different people about producing it. I had talked to several different people about investing. Um, and uh, everything seemed to get close, but something would happen and the, and the deal would go south. And uh, I started, um, was, was kind of having a rough time with all of that. And so I started writing this track uh, about two years ago and was feeling pretty low, but knew that I wasn't going to give up. And um, pastor at the church that I was attending uh, at the time um, encouraged me. Uh, to, he, 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 I was telling him about some of the things that I was going on that were, that were going on for me, and he encouraged me uh, to commit to memory uh, a Bible verse, which is actually in the liner notes down there uh, in the CD, if you've got it in your hands. And uh, the first line of it is, fan into flame the gift of God. And he encouraged me just to remember that, you know, what I'm doing is my gift and that I need to work hard in order to get at it. So I started writing this song about two years ago, and I didn't think it was going to get finished. I couldn't finish it. Sherry and I worked on it separately together. Uh, Ended up sending the pieces that I had to Tony when we finally two years later came around to making this record and he hooked me up with Jeff Paris and 24 hours later I had a demo in my inbox and you've got what you've got in your hands ready to play right now Lauren Mitchell title track from the album Desire In the middle of the night, raise the things spinning through your mind. Dance with the devil last night, but you won't get burned this time. I know you've been worn out, wasted. Feel like you don't matter. You've been beat up, been bruised, broken, and you've been shattered. You can't stop now. Don't back down. You won't be left behind Cause if you can't stand the heat Keep on walking through the fire You don't have to move the mountain Just climb a little higher You know it's gonna taste so sweet So don't listen to the lies Gonna rise up from those ashes And believe in your desire You had a dream every day of your life And the power to make it come true Get about your broken heart And do what you gotta do You've been exploited and disappointed By so-called experts self-appointed Can't you hear the angels singing your name? Can you feel it? You've been anointed You can't stop now Don't back down you won't be left behind Cause if you can't stand the heat Keep on walking through the fire You don't have to move the mountain Just climb a little higher You know it's gonna taste so sweet So don't 
Title track from the new album, Lauren Mitchell, Desire. Uh, okay, so now you go off to college, and I'm not sure if this is what you, the story you were about to tell, but a friend of yours convinced you to go out one night and do something on a dare. Was that what you were going? Is that where you were going? That was. Yeah, that okay. was where I was going. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I probably shouldn't tell you that I might have been underage, but uh, we, me and some of my girlfriends went out one night. <laughs> And uh, had a few beers and uh, at the local sports bar, there was a karaoke contest. And uh, one of my girlfriends dared me, convinced me to get up and sing uh, the uh, ubiquitous me and Bobby McGee. So <laughs> I did it. And the next, yeah. <laughs> and the next thing I know, uh, they were pressing a hundred dollar bill in my hand telling me I had won a contest. And I remember thinking, well, man, I guess I don't have to just like sing the opera and the theater stuff. You know, I can, I can sing this other stuff too that I remember, you know, <laughs> my dad playing in the house. And uh, so I kind of started, started digging into it a little bit. back. Yeah, go home for a vacation and say, dad, I need all your albums right now. I need exactly, to listen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, you know, my dad took me to um, my very first blues festival while I was in college and it kind of became like a, a, a ritual, like a spring break ritual for us. Um, it was the Tampa Bay blues fest down here ah, in, okay. uh, yeah. And man, I saw, I remember, I mean, I've, I, I saw so many great artists there. I've, I've been to that thing. I mean, I can't even tell you how many years I, I was going to it when, you know, when they had, within the first few years of them just starting up. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing B.B. King there for the first time that I ever saw him. I saw Coco Taylor. I saw Susan Tedeschi. I saw, well, you know, I mean, just, just everybody. And, and uh, man, it, that, that, uh, that blues festival just lit me up. I remember, I think it was um, that they were on the same day one year I saw Janova Magnus and Betty Levette. And I just remember thinking, you know what? I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both of those ladies, just, yeah, they, 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 uh, they, oh, know, yeah. they know how to do what they do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Jennifer will be on the show. She'll be back on the show. Where is that? Uh, June 12th. Uh, we'll okay. Well, I will make sure to tune in. Yeah, June 12th. She'll be back. Um, uh, your dad had lit, moved to Florida um, and you decided after college to make the move down there uh, and started working, I guess, in waitressing, bartending, working in restaurants, but also doing some singing. Um, talk about that time of your life and uh, what was going through your head and what, would you, what, what you learning about yourself? Yeah, well, I started um, I started waitressing and bartending when I was in school, you know, to make a few mm-hmm. bucks and make sure I could pay my fair share of the, the you know, the student loans and that sort of thing. Um, and after school, I was kind of, you know, I was, I had kind of been saturated uh, with, with music. And so I took um, some time away from it and, you know, just, just uh, worked in the restaurants and was making money and was having a good time and you know, uh, took a little break and, uh, ended up moving to Florida around about 2003 and, uh, you know, got a gig, uh, working in a nightclub, uh, pouring drinks pretty quickly. And, um, it happened to be a place where there was live music 
And the bands that were coming in there were, were, you know, knocking my socks off for the most part. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 12 piece horn bands and, you know, soul and um, just some really great stuff. And I knew a lot of the music that these guys were playing. There's one band in particular. And um, the other bartenders that I was working with would hear me sing behind the bar. Okay. And so finally, one of the guys that I was working with talked to one of the musicians in the band and was like, man, you, you, you need to hear this girl sing, you know, because <laughs> I wouldn't have told anybody. <laughs> And so on a whim one night, these guys got me up and, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about singing with a band. I had worked in acapella groups and in theater. Mm -hmm. I had sang with an orchestra many, many times, but um, not really with a band. And it's a different kind of thing. And um, so they coerced me and and got me up there and we found a a song that that everybody knew. And uh, the next thing I know, these guys were, were asking me to, you know, come and play gigs and uh, to, <laughs> you know, to sit in with them whenever they were there at the club. And uh, it was then that I, I kind of realized that, you know, maybe there, there was a way for me to make money, um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, we ain't getting rich, but there was a way for me to, you know, make money and, and really do what I love. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just kind of started networking and um, over the next few years, met some really, really great players, uh, worked in a few projects that were really awesome and worked in a few projects that were not so awesome. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm being diplomatic. <laughs> I had, and, I had um, some, I had some awesome jobs in advertising in my life and I had some that were not so awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. So I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, but, but I kind of had it um, on my heart that I wanted to start my own thing and I really wanted to, you know, dig into blues and, and, and soul music. And um, it took me a little while to, to get that off the ground. And I actually had to um, uh, take a little break from it. I, I was uh, still working behind the bar and um, had been offered a, a job in management. And in the restaurant world, when you're offered a job in management, um, you it. immediately know you're going to be working at least 60 hours a week, if not more. Right, right. And I thought that that was just kind of, you know, where my path was going to go. And I thought, well, here's this job. I need to, you know, take this job. This is, I gotta, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be an adult. You know, I'm going to take this job and this this is this is it and probably no more for the for the creative stuff for me so i took the gig as a restaurant manager and uh nine months later the gentleman who owned the company uh very unexpectedly let me go excuse me and he told me that it was because he could tell i wasn't happy and uh yeah yeah it was out of the blue it was it was very very unexpected and I thought, man, what am I going to do? Well, uh, my former uh, organ player, uh, the professor, Mr. Michael Hensley, uh, he and I had worked together on some of those awesome and not-so-awesome projects. Right. <laughs> we had stayed in touch. And uh, I called him up, and I told him what had happened. And he said, he said, he said well, Lauren, he says, now all you've got is time. He said, let's get this thing going on. 
And that was in April of 2011. And by August, we were out playing gigs. And I haven't looked back. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And we're going to take a break there, and we're going to play another song. Um, And you wrote this one again with Sherry. And uh, Tony added, uh, Tony did uh, added in some his brilliance uh, on Lead Me On. Tell us the story behind Mm -hmm. Slow Blues Burner. Oh, boy. Um, This is a true story. Um, For anyone who has ever... I may get a little choked up, so excuse me, but uh, (laughs) um, for anyone who has ever experienced um, unrequited love, um, you can probably identify with this song. And uh, it was um, something that I went through um, a few years back. Oh, it's been a while now. Um, But, uh, man, I, I stepped out of that situation knowing that it was never going to work. And um, this was one of those songs that just about wrote itself because, uh, well, yeah, because that's yeah. exactly what happened. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that and let you play the song. The album is Desire, Lauren Mitchell, and this is Lead Me On.
Hi, this is Stevie J Blues, and you're listening to Music on the Couch with your host, Vinnie Marini. These are artists that you should know. Lock it in and tear the knob off. Lead me on uh, off of Desire from Lauren Mitchell. Uh, Lauren is obviously uh, all vocals. Uh, Tony Bronigal uh, produced the album. He's on drums and tambourine. Reggie McBride on bass. Jim Pugh on keyboards. Johnny Lichelle on guitar. Josh Scalar is also adds guitar. Jose Ramirez adds guitar to a few songs. Joe Sublet adds saxophone. Daryl Leonard adds trumpet. Lenny Castro uh, percussion. Um, let's see, Steve Fisher, Fister on uh, slide guitar. Maxine Lewis, Curtisan uh, Kai, and Leslie Smith on background vocals. And Melody, Melody Perry also adds some background vocals. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, ultrasound, ultra, st- ultra tone studios, and it yes, is, ultra tone uh, studio, and uh, it's uh, Lauren's, Lauren's release. Um, 2013, you release Please Come Home, uh, and then uh, later that year, you take first place in the Suncoast Blues Society's local international blues challenge, earning your way to Memphis, uh, which is where we first met, uh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> then later that year, you recorded live at Bradfordville Blues Club uh, and released the uh, performance as an album. Um, some might say risky live albums can be a train wreck. Uh, this one uh, worked out for you. Um, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it depends on everything with a, with a live album. So uh, it, it kind of uh, all worked out for you. Um, you talked about earlier on, you know, speaking with a number of different people about producing the album and whatnot, how did you finally uh, 
land on Tony. Yeah, that was actually, um, excuse me, my friend uh, um, Jack Sullivan from uh, Blues Music Mm -hmm. Magazine. He lives here in the uh, Tampa Bay area. And, you know, we knew each other uh, from around, you know, at the same shows, at the same festivals and, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And uh, he had a booth. He had a booth at uh, the Suncoast, the very first Suncoast Blues Festival. And uh, um, our friend Paul Benjamin uh, hired us the, to do the opening night party uh, mm-hmm. the night before the actual big festival that year. And uh, um, Jack was there. And, you know, I finished writing some of these songs. Um, we were performing them and he came up to me after the show and he said, all right, he said, now you got your show together and you got some really good material. He said, now you need to make a really good record. And I said, okay, so what am I going to do about that? <laughs> and Jack said, I'm going to talk to my friend, Tony Bronigal for you. And I remember thinking, what? You know, <laughs> that guy doesn't want to work with me. You know, <laughs> like I'm just a girl here and, in uh, Sarasota, Florida, man, don't that guy don't know don't know me for nothing, you know. And uh, um, a few months later, you know, Jack and I ran ran into each other again, and um, he told me that he had talked to Tony, and Tony had checked me out online, and had basically said, "Yeah, next time you see her, you know, let her know, uh, give her my my information, and and we can start a conversation." And uh, so Jack gave me Tony's email, gave me his phone number, and I held on to that for probably a good six months before I had the nerve <laughs> to actually reach out and contact him. Um, and even then, it was uh, it was an email, and uh, I didn't I didn't have the nerve to call because again I, I I just remember thinking you know this guy doesn't know my name, and if he does, he's pre- maybe he knew it for a minute you know, and then he forgot it, and uh, you know so I thought well at least. If he doesn't respond to my email, that's uh, that's safe, you know, that it's not mm-hmm. like getting the big no on the telephone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and surprise uh, to you, <laughs> he responded. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. So I sent the email, and literally it was like within 30 minutes he responded to me, and I just remember sitting at my desk going, you got to be kidding is this really happening? And he's saying, yeah, Lord, I've been waiting to hear from you. Like Jack told me all about you. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. And, um, so we set up a time to, um, have a phone conversation and it was, uh, within the first, maybe not the first phone call, but the first couple, uh, phone calls that I had with Tony, I knew that, that we were going to get along just fine and that um, he was going to be able to do the job that I needed him to do. And you did it together. Uh, we great did. new album. We did. He yeah. Did. yeah, he definitely, uh, definitely uh, coaxed some really, uh, some really nice things out of me and, and the rest of the guys in the studio. It was a really wonderful experience together a new band to go out and to play this music uh what are your expectations of the new incarnation of the lauren mitchell band you know the guys that i am working with right now are um they're doing a great job they really are i'm very very proud of them i'm very very uh I'm happy to be working with all of them and since i'm talking about them i gotta mention their names and give them all a shout out so we've got um maurice dukes on the drums and uh kevin voigt on the bass 
and we just brought on a little over a month or so ago uh, Drew Preston uh, on the guitar, and we're very I'm very very happy to have all of these gentlemen on board with me. I can honestly call them gentlemen, which is a rarity <laughs> in this business. Um, they're a pleasure to work with, and they're they're all doing a great job, and we're going out and usually as a trio. Um, and, okay. uh, you know, playing, playing these songs that admittedly have, you know, a lot going on on them, background vocals and horns and, you know, keyboards and, and that sort of thing. But we're most usually going out as a trio and the guys have found their way, um, to recreate this music the, the best that they can. And you know what? They're doing a really great job of it. They're doing a really great Super. job and I'm really proud of all Very of cool. them. Very cool. Uh, will you be in Memphis this week? I will. I can't wait. I've never been to the BMAs, and I'm so excited yeah. to go. We'll see you on Thursday then. Um, yes. Absolutely. I'll have your Couch Kid button because now you're an official Couch Kid. See, IBC is oh, not beautiful. official. <laughs> yeah. You have to be on a Monday show to make it official. And I just did be too many, you know, it's, it's a special thing. The Monday thing is a special. Um, so yeah, I'll have your, I'll have your button for you. Um, her name is Lauren Mitchell. She's a musician that you should know, and you can check out her touring schedule and find her music and more at laurenmitchell.com. Uh, we have time for oh. one last song from the new album. Can I correct Desire. you on that? On that Did I do I... something wrong? That's all right. It's laurenmitchellmusic.com. You're right. There Lauren you go. Mitchell Lauren Music. Mitchell Music or Music. Lauren Mitchell Band. Either one of those will take you to the same place. Okay. Lauren Mitchell Music, Lauren Mitchell Band. Um, the other Lauren Mitchell, you don't want to go there. It's just, just you don't want to go there. Um, we have time for a lot. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just being silly. It's, you know, it's 11 o'clock here. Well, it's 12 o'clock a- where you are. I was going to say, yeah, there is a, a, a Lauren Mitchell who's a, a gymnast. I do uh, know right. that. I found that yeah. out in the last few years. So, so you might go to a website. If you go to, if you go to the wrong one, you might find a, a gymnast, and that is most so definitely add, not. <laughs> just ask, add music or band to Lauren Mitchell, and you'll get there. Uh, there you go. Talk about uh, soul music. Oh, yeah, soul music. That's, that's, a, that's a very, very special song. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on in the interview that uh, I remember growing up, you know, with my dad listening to like, you know, the 60s right. soul and, the, and, and a whole lot of Motown, you know, kind of stuff. And so um, I wanted to, to write a song. I remember, you know, my dad playing those records for me and, you know, us kind of hanging out around the house sometimes and listening to him. And, and, and he would, you know, he would kind of teach me about, you know, some of that music when I was growing up. I mean, when I was real little, you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he you know, tried to teach me about, you know, uh, the Four Tops and the Temptations and Gladys Knight and Diana Ross and, you know, all of that. <clears throat> and um, so I wanted to, you know, that music is very special to me. And yeah. so I wanted to write something that kind of reminded me of, you know, maybe a little like a funky little Motown groove. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lyric in there that, that talks about, uh, you know, I hear this old soul music like my daddy used to play. And um, mm-hmm. basically I remember, you know, that music uh, growing up, listening to it, making me feel so good that there was nothing else in this world that I could have imagined writing a song about to that kind of music other than a love song. So I wrote a, I wrote a love song and, uh, and it, it's supposed to sound like Motown. And I, I, I think it kind of does. I can't, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. (laughs) 
Uh, safe travels up to Memphis, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Yes, I will see you on Thursdays. You, tra- you travel safe as well, and uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Lauren Mitchell, go check her out, laurenmitchellmusic.com. From Desire, this is Soul Music.
Some kind of good from Desire, Lauren Mitchell, soul music. You know, Sam Butler began his career adding his stirring vocals and guitar work to the Blind Boys of Alabama. He's also worked with Keith Richards, Donald Fagan, and gospel legend Clarence Fountain. Uh, On his debut album, Raise Your Hands, he brought us an Americana compilation of bluesy spirituals written by some of the most important and compelling artists and songwriters of the last 50 years of rock and roll, including Bruce Springsteen, U2, Eric Clapton, Tom Waits, and others. How Hard, which wrote in American Songwriter, it's a roaring success of Sam Butler, and it whets your appetite for a follow-up. Watch for Sam to come to a venue near you or bring him to a venue near you. You can email Sam at sv3sbutler at msn.com or give him a call at 651-235-0468 and you can book Sam today. This here's Tracy K. And I came here to say This is music on the couch Yeah, musicians, you should know With the one and only Vinnie Bon Marini Yeah uh, next Monday, I'm thrilled to welcome in Hector Enchando, uh, whose new album, Roll the Dice, is uh, pretty hot. Uh, Chris Antonick will join me uh, to talk about his life and career in the new music, Monarch, which is getting incredible reviews from around the globe. Brody Buster walked off the Orpheum stage this past uh, IBC, uh, second place in the solo duo category, and his album, Brody Buster's One Man Band, is a must for any collection. He'll sit down and talk to me in full. We did speak to Brody right after his win, but we got him for a full interview. And John Ginty returns with Couch Kid New Music to talk about his album, Rockers, which he recorded with Aster Phoenix. That's all next Monday, May 14th, 9 p.m. Central Time, here on Music on the Couch, live, uncut, and uncensored conversations with musicians you should know. Hey, Cool Breeze here, and while Vinny's away getting the next guest ready, I wanted to tell you about my new show, Moan and Blues Cafe. I'm live in the studio every Monday morning, 10 a.m. Central U.S. Time, 1600 in the U.K. And I'm no one-hit wonder. I'm your B-Side Girl, and I'll keep you coming back for more on Blues at Rock Radio UK. Now, let's get back to Vinny and hear more about musicians you should know. Finally, this evening for uh, Women in Blues and uh, the beginning of Mother's Day with the Women in Blues show, uh, we bring you uh, a couch kid who we missed on her last album. Uh, We first uh, connected with uh, Samantha Fish um, September 23rd, 2013, right after Black Wind Howling was dropped. Uh, We missed her coming back in 2015 when she released Wild Heart. Uh, But she's back now. The new album is Chills and Fever. This week it is number one on the Roots Music Report and number 15 on the Billboard Blues Chart. Evening, Samantha. Thanks for taking some time uh, from the busy road schedule you've got to stop in for a visit. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, You've had so much happen since you last visited in 2013. Talk about some of the highlights of the last three years. 
Oh, man. Um, well, I, you know, I guess we, like you said, we missed uh, the Wild Heart uh, record yeah. release on your show. But, I mean, that, that turned out to be really great. That was a, a, a really fun record I made with Luther Dickinson producing and uh and, and it did really well. I mean, we, we went out as a trio for a couple of years after just, you know, rocking that record. And, um, you know, and since I, I, I guess it was the right time to expand the band, it felt like a good time. And that led us to Chills and Fever, which we did in Detroit this past winter. My producer, Bobby Harlow, and we worked with members of the Detroit Cobras and section from New Orleans. So it was my first time working with a big dynamic band. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. I got to say, I mean, and I feel like the, the results that we got were, were really, really great, and everybody seems to like the new live show. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. We're going to talk about the thought process behind the album, but uh, let's listen to the title track, uh, Chills and Fever, which is a Bobby Rackett and Billy Ness song. Uh, talk about um, how it got the honor of being the title track. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just such a cool vibe song. Uh, you know, it's, it's, something, it's, it's actually a little more mellow than anything I've, I've done really for a title track. Um, yeah. but it just kind of chills and fever just sort of summed up the vibe of this album in the recording session, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, all the way from Ronnie Love's version of, I know Tom Jones did a version of it too. So, yeah. Um, yep. yep. And, uh, Yes, now I've got one. Please. Yeah, now you've got one. Actually, if you Google it, if you Google it with uh, Bobby's name on it, you know, I think it, it comes up. Um, I think if, if you list all three of them, you're right there. You're right there on, you know, on Google. So, Chills and Fever, Samantha Fish, this is the title track. Me and squeeze. 
they ever redo uh, Pulp Fiction, they could use that as a, as a bed behind the twist-off contest. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that's, I just keep flashing to, to, to them on the dance floor, uh, you know, twisting it up and hearing that song in the back of my head. Uh, this album is a, is a left-hand turn for you. It's, it's, it's um, uh, from what I've read, this was, you know, a, a a labor of love album for you. Talk about it and, and how it all came together. Well, I met my producer, uh, Bobby Harlow, back like last springtime. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of crazy how we how we met. He, he saw a video of mine and we ended up doing some demos for a label and, and just decided to work together and, and start this, this album. And, you know, one of the first things we talked about when, when we met each other and he he just heard the soul component to my voice, but, you know, being in a rock and roll kind of blues trio, I'd never really sang in this, this format. You know, my tension's always been really, you, you know, you divide it between the guitar and the vocal. So, you know, and I've always wanted to expand. So it was just like the right time to, you know, explore this other, you know, component of, of, of my per- personality, my musical personality. And I grew up listening to soul singers, you know, when I was learning how to sing, I was a huge fan of Ray Charles and, uh, you know, Otis Redding and Aretha Franklin and all these great mm-hmm. soul blues artists. And so it, it was a good opportunity. We, we found all these obscure, you know, songs from the 50s and 60s. Um, you know, and it, they're kind of spread out, but girl groups and, you know, some Motown stuff. But then, you know, we've got an Alan Saint and the Simone song and, uh, you know, an old public domain, you know, Crow James, Skip James, putting together songs that, you know, have great hooks maybe not everybody's heard and I, I don't know, it's mm-hmm. like a good opportunity to, to bring back songs that I mean I love and you know that we thought needed to be heard again did you come into it with a list of songs that you wanted to play and did did Bobby come in with his list um, and you guys sort of just worked it out from there is that how it all came together you know yeah it was a lot like that you know we brought songs to each other over uh, you know a period of time, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we shot each other material back and forth. And it was kind of, it was really a fun process because, you know, I, I got to share some things that really, you know, I, I've been into for years and he shared some cool stuff and we, you know, we went back and forth. And so we, and so we whittled this list down to like what we thought were the, you know, was the best material to go on the record. And then, um, you know, then getting into the studio, we went to Detroit, which really set the tone in the land. It was, it, it painted the landscape for, you know, the whole album. You know, Detroit's like punk rock, Motown, everything, you know, yep, it's really sure. yep. great music sound. Yeah. So, you know, we uh, met up with members of the band called the Detroit Cobras who, if you've ever heard of them, they're, they're like, you know, beloved in this punk rock blues scene. And, um, and so we met up with members of that band, mixed in some New Orleans horns, 
a piano player, and it was like, boom, we had a big dynamic band to play with in the studio. Yeah, yeah, you definitely brought it together. Uh, tell, talk about uh, Hurts All Gone. Who's, who's, whose song did this come from? It's uh, the Roy Alfred, Jerry Ragavoy uh, tune, which was originally sung by uh, the great Armith. Irma Thomas, eh, my mouth is starting to go, um, and might be my favorite song on the album. Thanks. I love that. That was one that I picked, and yeah. I mean, I just love to range on it, and um, yeah, it's a beautiful song. It was, it was actually great. I got to see her. I'm in New Orleans right now, and I saw her jazz just this past weekend, and okay. man, she, she's got it, so it's pretty amazing to see, but I didn't get to hear that song. I was hoping I'd hear it. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a hit song. I don't know. I don't think it was very big when it was cut, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of my favorites off the record Hurts all gone. The album is Chills and Fever. Samantha Fish.
Samantha Fish from her uh, from her new album Chills and Fever. Her it's all gone. Just I love I love it. I just the whole album is just so cool. I mean it's just it's songs that I might I don't really know most of. I mean that song I kind I I do remember uh, from early on. You know I'm a 61 62 year old guy so some of this music <laughs> was around when I, I was around when some of this music was around. So I think it's I just think it's so cool and I you just seem to have accepted your role in it um you just you know you could transport back to that time and just fit in with the way you, you the intonation in your voice and the way you you've you've captured the feel of how, what these songs were back then while putting your own spin on them you man i mean it was i i appreciate you saying that it was you know you go back i, I go back to what you said earlier it was um you know it's labor of, it really was a labor of love um mm-hmm. And I really wanted to make a record um, where I got to dive into vocals and really and really focus on on bringing that emotion. And you know, so we spent a lot of time. I mean, the, the great thing about the studio we're at, the Forty Five Factory, they had all these really beautiful old vintage amps, guitars, mics, everything was just, you know, really from from the bottom up. It was you know, this album has had like a concept, and it's like this retro thing. Um, but you know, we we're in Detroit. I'm in this place where all these great soul singers came from. It's it's hard not to get immersed in that and to try to channel that energy and spirit and emotion. And, uh, you know, we kept going back to how, how hard it was, you know, I mean, I, I went through the Motown museum and, and just realizing how hard it was for these guys. You only get one shot at, you know, making a record. It's like, right. so, you know, channeling back and like, I got to get this to tape quickly and, you know, and make it right. You really put everything you have into it. And so, I mean, that was really what I was, channeling while we were in while we we're in the studio yeah, and channeled channeled well did did you ever sit back and think to, you know and wonder if the, your fans were going to accept this different um, side of samantha you know it's i i i feel like you know if i believe in it i, I hate to say it like this but if, if i feel like if i buy it and i believe in it and i'm putting everything i have into it somebody out there is going to connect with it and I knew that there'd be some people who were skeptical, you know, because they love the trio format. And I, I totally understand that. But, you know, when they come to the live show, it's like I'm playing more guitar than ever now. Uh, there's just more, there's just more dynamics to play with. And there's more drama mm-hmm. in the music. It's just a, you know, it's, it's more layered, which I feel like helps me. You know, it helps me do the other part of my job, which is, you know, the singing part of my job. I can, I can entertain, I can sing and, you know, it, it makes playing guitar, you know, I, I could do that much more with it. So, you know, I knew there might be some people who were like, Oh my God, you know, we're going to lose the guitar, but still there. It's, I mean, I'm the only one doing it. So, <laughs> so wait and you've, yeah, and you've, you've opened the door for new fans who, you know, might, might want to hear maybe something that's a little softer. Um, yeah. I mean, than the trio. There's a softness to it, but it's still pretty edgy. You know, we still keep yeah. it edgy with cuts like Pro Jane. And, and what's great is that I'm having fun exploring the older material, you know, like the songs off of Wild Heart with the new band and adding horns. It's like songs that, that I thought, oh, this definitely isn't going to work. I mean, I've, I've got such a talented group of guys with me on the road that, you know, it's all working. It's all working really, really well. Even the older material is like, to me, it's coming alive again. So it's really yeah. fun, man. It's a good time for me to be playing music and, I love playing the shows every night and I love talking to the fans afterwards, you know, cause I, I feel like everybody is, 
you know, once they come to the show, they're like, oh, okay, we're all on the same page, and all those mm-hmm. fears kind of go away. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I always plan on changing it up. I'm always going to be changing it up because I'm, you know, I I got to entertain myself. <laughs> yeah, <Well. laughs> no, yeah, I get, no, I get it. You know, I mean, and I understand it. It's a number of music, musicians obviously feel that same way, and it's you know some yeah. some change some change it up. You know, a quarter turn, some change it up a half a turn. You know, some change. You know, um, you know. So you you've got to you know you've got to be true to who you are. Uh, I'll come running over the Burt Burns tune um, was on Lulu's debut album. And I was around for this one uh, and included Jimmy Page on lead guitar, which I didn't realize until I, I, I just looked, I looked up today because I wanted to make sure I, I knew who the composer was. Um, sure, you really... He was on everything. He was on everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You have just, again, and I don't want to repeat myself, but you've channeled what she was doing when she recorded this, um, uh, you know, with a, with a, with a 2017 edge, I guess is the best Thank word you. for it. Yeah. I'll Thank come you. running over. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say this song is all fire and attitude. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. really where it's coming which, from. Yeah. Which is what she had, you know, which is what Lulu exactly. had. She just came out and she just was like, this is me. I don't care if you like me or not, because I'm going to be here. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, the album's Chills and Fever, Samantha Fish. I'll come running over. <laughs>
Oh, yeah. I'll come around in August, Samantha Fish. Chosen fever. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, this, uh, the album's up on the Billboard chart. That's got to be make you feel real good to see it on that chart over there. Uh, and number one this week on the Roots Music Report. You know, like I said, it's been really beautiful to see how people are, you know, embracing it. And I feel really, I'm just really grateful and thankful that, that it's, you know, people seem to be liking what's going on. And you did something really cool back in March. Uh, you uh, debuted your song Among Friends uh, for a Bud Light commercial in Jackson, on, on a tram in Jackson Hall, Wyoming. Talk about that experience. <laughs> that was pretty wild, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean they they approached. We were coming out there for a festival, and they're doing this music event on a tram, and asked us to come be a part of it. And so, you know, it it seemed like a great opportunity to go do a, a fun live video. And I, I mean, yeah, they they put forty people on a C lift, and you know, I know I got the email about it, and I know I was like ready to go, but when they start lifting you up the side of a mountain and you're trying to play, it's like. Oh, I didn't even really anticipate how this would feel. Um, yeah. It's kind of, it was a, kind of terrifying. It was. Yeah, there's a little rocking back and forth. There's a little rocking back and forth. And, you know, I mean, you had 40, 40 people in there with, with Bud Lights in their hands. So yeah, they had they're to all be, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, you know, there was one point where I almost bit it. We hit the, um, we hit like the, the lift pole, like halfway through uh-huh. the halfway point. Right. And I, we hit this huge, like, lilt in the, in the uh, tram, and I, I, yeah, I almost bit it there. But um, <laughs> it, it was kind of weird singing and having my ears pop as we're going up the mountain. I was like, wow, I've never really experienced that before. But it was really cool. I mean, uh, and it was, I, I can honestly say I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> but, you'd, but you'd like to do them more and more, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's next, Samantha? What's, what's that next mountain that you're looking to conquer? Um, well, you know, really just, just making sure this that you know we we're really rocking and rolling all through the summertime, um, mm-hmm. you know putting lots of miles on our van. We're flying lots of places, doing a lot of cool festivals, covering a lot of ground, getting out there new fans. You know, really that's that's the end game and the goal is like just to get out to as many people as possible and you know get to play music every day and um, and enjoy and have fun. I know later this year we're working on releasing um. Uh, an, an album I did with Luther Dickinson last winter, not this last winter, but the winter before. It's a semi-acoustic record. Um, oh, cool. That, that I've had, you know, in my hand for a little while, but Jimbo Mathis played on it, Lightning Malcolm, all these other great players from wow. uh, Nashville, Memphis, Mississippi, Lily May, fiddle player from Jack White's band, and got a great solo album out in Massachusetts. She was on the record. Um, so that's, you know, I'm looking forward to putting that out and putting together another killer band to go and tour it. Um, it's a busy year. It's 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 fun. No, it's really no, fun. absolutely. Um, I did miss this, and I should have done it right after the last song. Um, the album was produced by Bar- Bobby Harlow. Uh, it's engineered by Ryan McGuire at Forty Five Factory in Detroit, mix- Michigan. Mixed and mastered by Jim Kissling. Uh, Samantha's on vocals, lead and lead guitar. Joe Mazzola on rhythm guitar. Steve Nuara on bass guitar. Kenny Turdick on uh, Tudrick on drums. Bob Mervak on electric piano, Mark Leverin on trumpet, Travis Blotsky on saxophone. Uh, the album uh, was produced by uh, uh, was it Thomas Roth. 
Oh yeah, executive producer. Yeah. Thomas executive Rubin. producer Thomas Roth and Ruben M. Williams M. Williams, and it's obviously on uh, Roof Records. Um, what did I say, Roth? I said Thomas Roof uh, on Roof <laughs> Records. Um, gosh, um, Samantha Fish. She's definitely a musician you should know. Uh, check out all things Samantha at samanthafish.com. Uh, you'll find music tour information and a lot more. Uh, if you don't have chills and fever in your, in your collection, what are you waiting for? Get out there and right. get it. It's easy. You don't have to go to a record store. Just go to her site. You can order it and you can get it. Order the album. If you go to iTunes, don't buy singles, buy the whole album. Uh, you know, just do it right, folks. Do it right. Um, Nick, Nick Stubbs' um, song, Little Baby, it adds a little country flavor uh, to a soul sound. Um, talk about this one and, and uh, how it ended up on the album. I, You know, I just I found this song, and this band called the Blue Rondos. Um, I don't know. I just love the melody and, you know, the falsetto part at the end. Um and it is, it's kind of different from everything else on the record, but I was interested to see, you know, what, like how, the, the cool thing about these songs is that although they're all really different when you listen to the original, you know, they felt cohesive enough to, to bring the band in and, and make them like a part of this family, the Chills and Fever kind of, you know, vibe. And mm-hmm. um, I, I felt like Little Baby was one of those adaptations that worked really, really well. And it still has that kind of a country flair to it. Um, yeah. I was really testing my chicken chicken skills on it. Um, <laughs> and it's really fun. That's another fun one to play live because I get to really swing it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, when we got it with all with all the guys in the studio, it's like it belong. It, it felt like it really belonged in the family of songs. I am so glad we got together for this one. I hope that when the next one comes out, we make sure that we get together for that one. Uh, obviously, you're always invited back, Samantha. Are you going to be in Memphis this week? No, I'm actually I'm going to be touring. We're playing Chicago and okay, and all over like Detroit, East Coast. Yeah, running, mm-hmm. running, running. Tell everybody yeah, to say hi. I will enjoy it. I uh, enjoy. I actually just saw your sister's not coming. I thought she was going to be there, and she just posted today she's not going to be able to make it. Um, so we won't have any of the fishes in the in in, in Memphis for the BMAs, but uh, maybe next year you'll have to be there. How's that? We'll save our evening attire. We'll save our evening gowns. There you go. Uh, uh, Thank you, Samantha. I appreciate you so much. Um, And everybody, until next week, please be happy, be safe, and share the blues. We'll talk about the BMAs uh, on next Monday's show. And this is from Samantha Fish, the album is Chills and Fever, Little Baby.
Ah, heck. Let's do one more. Never Gonna Cry from Chosen Fever. Samantha Fish, have a great week. <laughs> 